Okay, well, hey everyone, and welcome tonight to another little broadcast here of Your Questions, God's Questions. I am looking and I see a little magic number there, two. So I would challenge the two of you who are on the on the broadcast right now to hit that share button wherever you are watching, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, and uh, that would be great and amazing how quickly it can spread when you press that button. Uh, tonight is a little bit of a different subject, I suppose, but uh, I'm going to do this in a way that uh, you're going to enjoy and you're going to like um, the way that it's communicated tonight. And tonight is our question, our lead question anyway, what in the world is speaking in tongues? Uh, the question was put to me uh few days ago, I think it was, uh, about the general subject of tongues and its uh, value in the life of the believer and so on. So I want to talk about that tonight and also want to take any questions or prayer requests that you have on the fly tonight. I'd be happy to do that and always love doing that. Um, and so welcome tonight. Um, we are going to uh, deal with this question in, depending on your context, uh, a way that you may not have heard of it before. Um, so when we talk about the Bible and this question of speaking in tongues, what you have here is uh, a variety of opinion on this subject. Um, if you talked to one particular school of thought, let's say in a, in a, a denomination, I'll use that term, like a Baptist denomination, you are going to hear one thing. If you talk to uh, the Pentecostals, of which I am one, you're going to hear another. And there's a variety of opinion on this subject of tongues uh, in the, the body of Christ worldwide. Good evening, Joelle, and God bless you. Nice picture of you and your mom there. And um, uh, there's a wide variety of opinions, so I'm going to teach this tonight and try to answer this question from a traditional Pentecostal perspective, recognizing that that is not the only view. Uh, there are people who are part of our church who are not traditionally Pentecostal. There are people who are lean more toward a kind of a Baptist view of this, uh, and all over the place. So uh, you are not going to hear um, a forceful position here. But I will try to articulate what I think the Bible is teaching about this subject, uh, at least the way that, that uh, I interpret it. So when we talk about tongues, uh, interestingly enough, we do not see this mentioned in the Bible very often at all. It is, uh, I will put the references on the screen for you here so you get an idea what I'm talking about. There you go. It is uh, mentioned mostly in the book of Acts in the Bible's New Testament. This is never mentioned in the Old Testament, save one reference uh, from Isaiah chapter 28, which Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 14. A specific uh, event or act of speaking in tongues, quote-unquote, uh, is not mentioned in the Old Testament. So uh, we get this idea and this phrase from things that happened in the Bible's book of Acts, first century picture of the early church uh, is what's going on there. And what we see, it, we see it in really, specifically, we see it in three places in the book of Acts. The first is in the second chapter, 
uh, of the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. This is where we get the term Pentecostal uh, from this day of Pentecost, which was uh, uh, the feast of Shavuot in the Hebrew uh, calendar. Uh, what was it? Uh, f- uh, 50 days, 50 Pentecost uh, after uh, a certain uh after the first fruits, and they had a sequence of counting. It was a harvest holiday in the Jewish calendar. And on the day of Pentecost, which is another term used for Shavuot, uh, you have this incredible thing happen in Acts chapter 2, where the new community of faith, the church, which is just a word that means uh, assembly or gathering, there's nothing new about the word church, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and... Uh, Peter recognizes this as being a fulfillment of something mentioned in Joel chapter 2, which I put on the screen there for you to look at. And so this bizarre thing happens where there's this wind, sound like a wind, and what looks to be flames of fire that rest on each of the people's heads there in Acts chapter 2, and they begin to speak in other languages that they never learned. These are known languages because the visitors from out of town who were there for Shavuot, which was a harvest holiday and a pilgrimage feast, they had to make an appearance in Jerusalem from all around the world. It was a temple uh, appearance that they had to make and they had to present a special wave offering and so on. Um, all these people recognized that these Galileans knew their languages somehow and they never left Galilee. So, uh, yeah, I think Galileans. So they're saying this is impossible. How can these people know these languages? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, and they've never been outside of their own region. And so Peter gets up and he says, ah, I'm going to tell you what this is. This is the Holy Spirit that has been poured out. And so Joel talked about it. And there's all these different wonders that Joel mentions in Joel chapter 2. Interestingly enough, tongues is not one of them. Uh, Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. And Peter says, aha, this time has now started. It is the official kind of inauguration of the last days. The Holy Spirit has come, and that's what you're hearing, and that's what you're seeing. And so this is where we see tongues for the first time in Acts chapter 2. Um, Jesus had promised in Acts chapter 1 that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit would come and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what that would look like. They were just told to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. Okay, that's in Acts chapter 2. We see it again in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 in the part, as part of the conversion experience of the non-Jewish um, non-Christian at the time, uh, uh, man, the Roman military man, Cornelius. And when Cornelius finally has the encounter with Peter, and Peter explains to him that the message of Jesus is also for him, even though he's a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, the message of Jesus is also for him. And as soon as he hears this and understands this, like something clicks in him, and in all of the entourage that he brought to his house to hear Peter preach that day. And he, too, begins to speak in these other languages along with the, other, with the group of people that are with him. 
And so Peter, it clicks in his head and he says, oh, this is the same thing that happened to us, uh, referring to the experience in Acts chapter 2. So Peter says, ah, this is proof positive that God accepts Gentiles too. So for Cornelius, he was converted, uh, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, which I'll explain that term in a minute, uh, and baptized in water all in the same day. Really, really strange thing. Then you see it again in Acts chapter 19, uh, in the lives of a group of people in Ephesus where they are questioned, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they say, well, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And so they apparently are baptized in water at that point, which looks to be as a second time, specifically in the name of Jesus, because they only had heard of John's baptism of repentance. And when they're baptized in water at that moment, or apparently in water at that moment, they do begin to speak in other languages. And so you see it specifically three times in the book of Acts. There are two other references, Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans, Acts chapter 9 with Paul, where the term filled with the Holy Spirit is there, but we don't know what happened. It doesn't say Paul spoke in tongues there. It doesn't say that the Samaritans spoke in tongues there. We're not sure what happened, but the reference the term is there. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about tongues and speaking in tongues, and specifically how that is to be used in a public setting, in a church gathering, and an assembly where people can hear what everybody else is saying. So those are basically the references that we have to this thing, uh, speaking in tongues. What is it? Well, from a from a traditional Pentecostal uh, uh, perspective, and I'm going to put this question on the screen here, uh, can you be taught or encouraged to speak in tongues, or does it just come upon you by the Holy Spirit? Great question. I will explain, uh, break that down for you, uh, Patrick, in a second. So um, uh, fr- from a traditional Pentecostal perspective, the the speaking in tongues is the initial evidence we sometimes use that term that the person has been filled with the power of the holy spirit this is the way that it's explained from a traditional pentecostal perspective now pentecostals do not believe that um uh in order to be saved someone must speak in tongues that is false. Uh, there is a, there is a fringe movement, the United Pentecostal Church, that teaches that that unless a person speaks in tongues, they can't be a Christian, they can't be saved. That is nonsense. That is not. You can't find that in the Scripture uh, at all in the Book of Acts or anywhere else for that matter. Um, also, Pentecostals uh, believe that all Christians, regardless of their views on the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit at salvation. Let me repeat it to you. If you're Salvation Army, if you're Baptist, if you're Presbyterian, I don't care what your denominational bent is. If you have come to faith in the Lord Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You are born again by the Holy Spirit who comes to live within you. Uh, supernaturally at the moment that you believe. And so it doesn't matter if you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues, you have the Holy Spirit. What Pentecostals do traditionally is to distinguish between the presence of the Spirit within the believer and the release of the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And it is taught that you know that you've received that power of the Spirit the first thing that will happen 
is that you will speak in other languages. This is the way that it is taught. Now, what is foundationally important for you, listen very carefully because I'm pretty sure the people who are watching now, you know, I see three on the online now, but I'm sure this is going to be shared because you're probably going to want to share this with friends. Uh, you cannot use the Bible to teach that a person who speaks in tongues is more spiritual than a person who doesn't. You cannot use the Bible to uh, uh, demean one kind of Christian over another kind of Christian. The Bible does nothing of the kind. Um, Now, the question often becomes, are you saying that a person who doesn't speak in tongues has not received the power of the Spirit? This is virtually an impossible question to answer because the book of Acts doesn't think of it that way. The way the book of Acts thinks of it is, uh, uh, specifically, Peter, if you were to ask Peter, Peter, how do you know that Cornelius and his household were filled with the Holy Spirit? Peter would say, well, they spoke in tongues just like we did. Uh, the same thing happened to them that happened to us, referring to what happened to them in Acts chapter 2. So we figured it's the same thing, so they must have the same thing, the same experience. And so they've received the power of the Spirit as well. That's the way Peter would answer the question. If you turned it on Peter and say, yeah, but Peter, what about people who say that they've received the Spirit, but they don't speak in tongues? Have they received the power of the Spirit? Uh, have they been, quote-unquote, baptized in the Spirit? Again, remember, distinguish between having the Holy Spirit's presence and the release of the Holy Spirit's power. So, Peter, what about these people who say that they have the power of the Spirit, but they don't speak in tongues? What about them, Peter? Peter would say, I don't know. All I know is this happened to us in Acts chapter 2, and then it happened to the Gentiles in Acts chapter uh, 10. And so we figured it's the same thing. That's what Peter would say. So what is the point of this? Uh, and then I'll, I'll get to uh, the question that was asked here. I'll put it back on the screen in a moment. Um, speaking in tongues, um, even if, if taught from the strict traditional Pentecostal perspective, is not about speaking in tongues. I'll repeat that. Speaking in tongues is when understood properly in a Pentecostal context, is it simply an indication of the of the power of God in the believer's life. And that power is not to speak in tongues. The power is to be a witness for Jesus. So we need the power of the Spirit in order to be the most effective witness uh, uh, for Jesus that we can. And witness is a word that meant everything from uh, you know, uh, uh, speaking about your faith under pressure to losing your life for your faith. Uh, it was, it's a very powerful word. And so uh, we need the power of the Spirit in order to do this. And so the book of Acts would encourage us to seek the power of the Spirit. Uh, the tongues are incidental. If you look at the book of Acts, you don't see much teaching about it. You don't see much preaching about it at all. Uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 14, but he appears to be talking mostly about the use of the gift of tongues, which is different, it seems, than the 
receive the power of the Holy Spirit tongues. You're probably very confused right now, but if you inspect the text, it appears that Paul is saying, listen, if a person speaks in tongues, but nobody understands what in the world he's talking about, it's not very helpful. And so the, when you have a group of people together, what you want is the gift of tongues, which is something different. That's where somebody speaks a language and somebody else in the audience knows what they're saying. And, and there's a specific message for that person. That doesn't happen to everybody. Uh, that happens to some. I've met some people who that's happened to. Uh, but that's where there's an audible use of the gift in a public assembly or small group or something. And there's a specific message that somebody can understand in their language. And that's different. That's the gift of tongues. So, But even there, Paul spends you know half of a chapter talking about it. He doesn't write about it to any other church except the Corinthians, who seem to be fascinated with spiritual gifts. He writes two two long letters to them and spends half of one chapter talking about tongues, the public use of tongues. So, again, it is the the from a traditional perspective of Pentecostalism, the release of the power of the Spirit is accompanied initially by the speaking of these languages. But I repeat, we are to seek the power of the Spirit to be an effective witness. I have met many so-called Pentecostals who, you know, speak in tongues and boast about it, but what comes out of their mouths when they're not speaking in tongues is, you know, gossip, slander, criticism, negativity, and all these things. And so this is not the purpose of the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is there so that you can be an effective witness. An effective witness isn't a gossiper, okay? Uh, So that's the purpose of it. We're not to seek tongues. We're not to boast about this. Uh, We are to seek the power of God, regardless if you're Salvation Army, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever, we can all agree that we need to be seeking the power of God to be an effective witness. Now, back to Patrick's question, can you be taught or encouraged to speak in tongues, or does it just come upon you by the Spirit? Well, if we look at the book of Acts, nobody is taught to speak in tongues. Nobody is, well, you know, bring them to the front and put your hands on them and shake them a little bit or put your hand on their chest or, you know, shout at them or, you know, get a, get a bunch of people who speak in tongues to speak in tongues over the person and maybe that'll encourage them. You don't see anything like that in the book of Acts. You see that it happens spontaneously. You see that it happens incidentally. You see that it happens fairly easily. And uh, although you see it not too many times, you see it specifically. And when it was seen, it was an indicator, wow, something very powerful has happened to these people. So can, can you be taught it in that sense? I would say no. It is purely by the power of the Spirit. It is Him who we should be seeking, not formulas and all of these other things. Uh, and I, I would say to uh, some of my Baptist uh, friends, or maybe you don't even call yourself Baptist, but your theology is probably more in that way. Look, we seek the power of God. Uh, regardless of of our view on, you know, is the initial evidence specifically tongues only? Uh, can it be something else? Well, we th- that's a matter of debate. I mean, you could ask Peter. Peter, 
you know, what if somebody claims to be filled with the power of the Spirit, but they didn't speak in tongues? They did something else. What about that, Peter? I don't know how Peter would answer that question because there isn't enough data in the book of Acts. Uh, another question has come, can you exhibit the power of the Spirit without even speaking in tongues? Excellent question. And I think I think the Bible would say yes to that question uh, because we do see incidences of the power of God uh even in the book of Acts, in people's lives, and we're not sure if they ever spoke in tongues. We can we can make an assumption that they did, but that's an assumption. Um, so it would be, I think, uh, pushing the scripture a little too far to say that, well, you know, only people who are so-called tongue speakers are the ones who really experience the power of God and the other gifts of the Spirit and so on. Nobody else can I think that would be very presumptuous on our part to do, and I think uh, if we're looking at the book of Acts fairly, um, uh, the power of God is moving through people without it specifically being said all the time that these people also uh, spoke in tongues at some point. So I don't think we can push the book of Acts too, too far. Um, even from a traditional historical, you know, a Pentecostal perspective, we would be, I think, hard pressed to say that our whatever Baptist brothers and sisters and Presbyterian brothers and sisters could not experience and manifest the power of God in their lives. I, I, I would not go so far as to say that. Uh, so, but, but that is an excellent question. Um, so, uh, uh, what about tongues? Yeah, very, very, uh, uh, very important for sure to, to understand this. But I think the overarching principle is that believers should be seeking the power of God to be an effective witness. And wow, we need that today, uh, more than ever before, uh, I mean, one could argue that with all these conditions, all at the same time, pandemic and all of this global unrest and all of these different things and the a huge shift that's taking place in, in the church that hasn't happened. I mean, churches haven't been closed, so to speak, for a hundred years. So there's there's great changes afoot, if ever there was a time that we needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be an effective witness. It would be today. So I would encourage uh, my my viewers here to be seeking after the power of God, regardless of your position, specifically on tongues. Be a seeker of the power of God because you need that power uh, just as much as I do. Okay, and God bless you, Imad and uh beautiful picture of you and your wife there and thank you so much uh, for tuning in uh, with us so uh, before I, I let you go I'm going to uh, going to pray for you uh, I have not seen any prayer requests but I'm going to just just pray anyway so God I thank you for each person watching each person listening each person who will watch who will listen and uh, Lord um, assuming that everyone on this call, is a follower of you, I ask that you would fill each of us afresh with the power of Jesus, the power to be an effective witness in our school, in our marketplace, in our uh, 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 
social sphere, even uh, as we interact with people online so much these days, we need to be witnesses for you. So God, whatever you have for us, fill us again and again and again with your power. We pray to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining with us. And I'll see you again next Monday night. And some of you know this already, but we will. Oh, there you are. Bless you, Jackie. Good to see you. Keep on trucking there. Nice picture of you. Keep persevering. We're praying for you. Uh, I will be uh, uh, Wednesday night. We're doing the uh, midweek Bible study on a clash of kingdoms. So I hope to see some of you there. If you want to join in with that, uh, reach out to me, contact me, and I will send you that Zoom link. God bless you as well, Viano, and great, uh, great participation from everyone. Great questions tonight. And we'll pick it up again next week. God bless you, everyone. Have a great, great night.